3: To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
2: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today, as we record this, it is November 2nd. Which is election day here, I guess
3: everywhere, <laughs> but I mean, I know here in Georgia right, we have a mayoral race happening in Atlanta right now,
2: yes, yes, so we will see what the results of that is how's your How's your perception of time lately? How is it that it's November?
3: <laughs> I, yeah, I thought of that, I was like, wait, is it too late for me to order on Etsy for all of the gifts because I'm starting to get scared?
2: yes, yeah, I have ordered most of my Christmas presents already and I guess don't want to stress anyone out because I know it's very stressful normally but now it's especially stressful because we've been told there's going to be all kind of supply issues and right. mailing issues um, so my mom and I were like we gotta get this we gotta get on top of this <laughs> we gotta get it done so I just had yes, this huge mountain of gifts like sitting in front of my doorway <laughs> I'm like, well so uh, gonna be around until December but all right yeah, it's it's strange. I feel like it's both like the weather is cooler, so that's there. But it's just kind of being inside all the time makes it very strange when like, oh, yeah, it's November oh. right, okay. <laughs> November <laughs> is also American Indian Heritage Month. Um, and we are going to have some content around that throughout this month. But for our classic, we want to bring back. An episode we did with a lovely guest, Natalie Evans, of the Some Kind of Brown podcast, when she came to us and brought examples of indigenous women, some of her favorite indigenous women that people should know about. So please enjoy this classic episode. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff First. We have something pretty pretty special, a little different today. A little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as you know, uh, we've been trying to shout out listeners and other people we think are doing cool things at the end of episodes. And podcasts. Other podcasts. Including podcast which Samantha has been spearheading. Um, and we that kind of came simultaneously with another topic we wanted to talk about right. and a podcast that we shouted out. Um, because as we record this, not as you hear it right. in classic Sminty fashion, of course, um, it is Native American Heritage Month, November. I, I
3: feel like we're a little closer on time frame now than we have been before.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're we're closing in. Okay, Although a little better now, I think it's just our thing. Maybe so maybe we should just stick with it. Um, but oh, it, this is so confusing <laughs> because <laughs> the episode we're talking about hasn't published yet. But you should have heard it by now, right? Somebody we shouted out.
3: Um, Has an amazing podcast, Some Kind of Brown podcast. Yes. Natalie Evans is doing a fantastic uh, job with Some Kind of Brown. She's been on, I think, a year and a half is what she said. Yeah. It's a podcast about multiracial, biracial, and many multicultural ideas behind and what it's like to be in that life or in that moment. or However, she identifies as indigenous black. Mm -hmm. um, And she is very, very obviously passionate about indigenous and native Um, people and wanting to have their stories told, Mm -hmm. which I think is very important as well. And, of course, I I mentioned a couple of times because, you know, I don't hear it often, but she does include interracial adoption as a a part of her conversation, too, and I I love that. Mm -hmm. because And I think I've talked about this often. I feel really... Confused about my identity a lot of the times because my identity is conflicting to what I grew up with, with who I am, my actual ethnicity. And so what she's doing is just fantastic. And also she's looking into the LGBTQ plus world and being inclusive. And I love all of the things. And I feel like it's very much in the spirit of Sminty and what we want to do and what we want to talk about. And yeah, so when we saw her podcast and I was very excited about she was doing, um, Red November, mm-hmm. which was highlighting the hashtag MMIW or the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women mm-hmm. and talking about those conversations and trying to bring a lot more highlights. And I know you did an episode as well. Yes. So it just fit in a line perfectly that we try to connect. Yeah. And she was so willing. And so we were so excited to have her on the show. Yeah. Um, and one of the things
2: we asked of her would be was to talk about some some women, famous, well, maybe not famous, but they should be famous, right. indigenous women um, that we we all should know more about. And she w- was great at a list, like, oh, how yes. many? I could go on right. and on. Um, but we do want to say before we get into this, just a general disclaimer, and we do mention this in the interview, but history is tricky mm-hmm. when it comes to, I mean, just in general, honestly, um, but also when it comes to colonization In the United States, sources can be hard to come by and also um, pronunciations. um, Difficult. (laughs) Yeah, because there's no source. Like today, a peek behind the scenes, what I do, I go to a a pronunciation website. If it's not on there, then I go to YouTube and try to find somebody saying whatever it is. That doesn't necessarily exist for for the women um, that we're going to talk about. So... We tried our best. Um, and feel <laughs> free to write as if you know. Yeah. Uh, feel free to write in and let us let us know. Let us uh, give us a gentle correction. Right. We'll take it in stride. Yes. Gentle. <laughs> gentle. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, let's let's hop into the interview.
3: Yeah.
0: Hi, my name is Natalie Evans, and I'm the host of some kind of brown podcast. My podcast is mostly about mixed and my multiracial life cultural issues and current events that are going on and exploring what it really means to come from a multicultural or multiracial, sometimes biracial, that ethnic background and what that really means. So we cover everything from reconnecting the cultures to accepting some of the negatives or how to deal with things like you know, the normal things like people putting their hands in your hair and not having boundaries, there's a lot of things that kind of fall under under that umbrella. But uh, for me specifically, I am reconnecting with my Native Indigenous side. So I get to document that through my podcast. And it led to my Red November project, which I think is how you found me and what we're talking about today.
3: Right. And can you explain a little bit about your Red November project? Because, yes, that is one of the things I was like, ooh,
0: this is awesome. Uh, Red November is an absolute passion project for me. It's something that I've wanted to do since I started. I say that like I've had a podcast for a long time, had it for a year and a half. But uh, it is a series that focuses on the MMIW or Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, Two Spirit People movement. And it kind of approaches this systemic problem from the angle of different Native, non-binary, and women in our different perspectives. I talk to people from all different walks of life and how it affects us and some of the problems when we're looking at the NMIW movement why it's so necessary. And the fact that we can't find any information on the women who are missing and the fact that we that very... Very rarely do any of these cases or women get any kind of publicity. It's something that's very painful and something that is slowly coming to light. And I'm really excited to see that people are listening.
1: Can I rant for a sec? Please.
2: Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member
3: FDIC. And we have you on here today because I would say the work that you do is fantastic and important. And we wanted you to kind of have a platform here with us to talk to us about these different Fights, I guess, is the best way we can put it, um, and movements that you guys are, you are specifically pushing through and trying to get noticed for, which is awesome, and your own podcast, which tried to highlight um, the different cultures as well as the difficulties and the issues of being multiracial, biracial, all of those things. And you had even included um, interracial adoption, which applies to me, mm. and I was very excited <laughs> to see that, <laughs> which we highlighted uh, your podcast on, well, an episode that's coming that we haven't. Published yet, but has already recorded. (laughs) It's there, it just doesn't exist
0: publicly yet. It's coming.
3: (laughs) I did acknowledge it's happening. Um, So today, uh, I asked you to come on because it is uh, Native American Heritage Month. Yes, Yay. as we record this. As we're recording, because, uh, yeah, by the time this is published, it's over. We're a little late. But as it's per always usual, time to talk about it. Always good to talk about <laughs> it. Yes, as we should. Yes. Um, and so you came on, and you actually sent us a giant list, which I love, Yeah. Uh, what things that you want to talk about, people you want to talk about. So let's go ahead and get started. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, you told me that originally you were thinking about talking about historical Native Figures, particularly women or Two-Spirit people. Yes. And you say massive list, but this is just a tiny, tiny little list of amazing women that you can look into. That's true. In a lot of Native cultures, women are kind of the bearers of tradition. A lot of these women who stand out in history were also warriors. Most of the tribes are matrilineal which means that plans and traditions are passed down from the mother. It's something that was very... Women were very equal or sometimes a little higher in certain tribes. But as colonization and the boarding schools and residential schools tried to westernize the culture, that's one of the things that kind of leaked in but is being worked on now. The... Haudenosaunee Confederacy or the Iroquois Mm -hmm. Confederacy. They are probably one of the most matrilineal groups that I've heard of. Mm -hmm. As a group of nations, they just have more female-led traditions.
3: What What are some of those traditions?
0: One of them, like I said, is clans passed down from the mother so if your mother was born in one clan and the father is in another it's the mother's clan, kind of like last name but different (laughs) right they also have a lot of medicine there's a lot of women who are famous for being medicine women so those are two of the biggest things women as leaders and warriors and mothers that's just a very revered position in native culture
3: so yeah let's go ahead and talk about some of these women you're right it's not a very vast list it should be way 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 more and there are obviously way 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 more but for our time and purposes (laughs) let's start with some (laughs) of the uh, big figures and names that you want to talk about
0: okay we have paperina buffalo calf road woman that's her name elizabeth wanamaker of course, I can't pronounce the Heratrovich, the Polish-sounding name of all the things. <laughs> mm-hmm. I could not find the pronunciation of her it name, so I unfortunately can't say that one. tish Kalasa, and Madonna Thunderhawk—they're all from different groups, and actually, two of them fought on opposite sides, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, Toy Perina is the first person on my list, and she is of the Tongva tribe, located in the Los Angeles basin. And there's a little bit of controversy over what the tribe is called because, one, they're not nationally recognized, and two, the government called the tribe something else. It's been very interesting. Colonization a problem mm-hmm, for records. Mm-hmm. Record. mm-hmm. Yeah, But uh, she was a medicine woman who opposed Spanish rule. When she was nine, the Spanish colonizers invaded. Is colonizers too strong a word? No. I don't know. No. Okay. Keep going with it. <laughs> uh, I don't like to call There's a group of people who are using colonizers to talk about current people, mm-hmm. and I think that's a little too harsh of a narrative when you are trying to talk about inclusivity and awareness Mm -hmm. and education. But these are actual colonizers. So So literal
3: colonizers. you are good.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They made it their goal, of course, to convert the people and erase their cultural practices. I'm sure at the, like, four pages in everyone's history book makes it clear why the poor Native Americans needed to learn the Western way. Mm -hmm. And any attempts to resist assimilation or conversion resulted in harsh beatings, torture, and they could even be killed. Things reached their breaking point when traditional dances were banned, and Toyprina helped unite six villagers to attack the San Gabriel mission. Even though their attacks failed, Toyprina was seen as a witch. She resisted. In the end, she was baptized and exiled, I can only imagine against her will that she is still a figure of bravery and leadership and very celebrated.
2: You are that there's a play based on her? According to the research I found, there is a play about her life. <laughs> um, and it, That would not surprise me. <laughs> yeah, it premiered at the San Gabriel Mission Playhouse in 2014 and toured California in 2016. Um. And also, apparently, there's a short film about her life, and a uh, book called Zorro has an homage to her um, by Isabel Allende? Allende, yes. A Chilean author. Oh, cool. Yeah, so um, she's not someone, unfortunately, I had never heard of her before. Right, I haven't either. But uh, I like that there's increasing awareness about, about her and that there's this art being made about her.
0: I bit. have seen a lot of artworks that are um, that have been made, and that I think, unfortunately, unless you're looking for her, mostly the people in Los Angeles based and or in that area know of her, and that's about it. Right. Um, which is the case sometimes, but I don't know. It, all of these women, their stories are like bittersweet yeah. when you read about them. Right. There's, on the one hand, you're, you feel a bunch of pride from reading about their strengths and the things that they were able to do, but at the same time, we kind of know how this story goes. Right.
3: Yeah. And as much as it's been romanticized, the truth of the matter is, it's pretty horrifying, mm-hmm. <laughs> the narrative in itself. Uh, yeah. All right. So the next woman you had on your list was Buffalo Calf Road Woman, which is an intense name.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that is her only name. Well, wow. so, uh, it is, there is a, her name in Northern Cheyenne. I can't, I couldn't find how to pronounce it, but she is of the Northern Cheyenne tribe. And if you've heard of the Battle of Little Bighorn <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know how <laughs> many people have, but yes. um, me, I got APS history in the high school, so I'm fancy and Yo. I know
3: <laughs> yeah, super <laughs> fancy
0: super fancy uh but yeah you should have heard about the buffalo password woman if you don't know it by name you probably have heard of lieutenant colonel custer mm-hmm. yep oh yeah i don't really yeah so even if you don't know the battle you know him and she was the one who knocked him off of his horse before he died
2: wow dang
0: I shouldn't be proud of that, but I kind of am. (laughs) I would be, too. I mean, come on. (laughs) Not that I should celebrate anyone's death. Well, this is not actually her first display. Prowess is a warrior. She also fought in the Battle of the Rosebud, and the Cheyennes call this battle the, the battle where the woman saved her brother, I believe, because... They were losing, and her brother, the chief, comes sight. was injured, and she turned her horse around, galloped full tilt into the deep of the fighting, and saved her brother. The Lakota and Cheyenne, who were fighting together, joined forces under Crazy Horse, were inspired by her bravery, and turned around and won the Battle of Little Bighorn. She also fought alongside her husband, Black Coyote, and after the battle, she and her family were captured, unfortunately, and relocated. But like she's another woman whose fighting spirit is an inspiration for some of us native women and people in general. She is such a boss. Right. She went through all these things. She fought in these battles. It she proved her prowess as a warrior and her husband. While in jail, she died from diphtheria or malaria. We're not sure which. Like, after everything she's been through, that's going to take her down? Really? But, I mean, this kind
3: of sounds about right as you come through that type of colonization and and the diseases that was brought by (laughs) those types of people um, that had actually killed many of tribes and many of uh, indigenous people at that point in time. And it is sad, but, you know, she couldn't be taken down outside of a force of nature.
0: I guess it's sad, but it also, if you look at it, no, no person could tip you down. That's exactly. Kind of she was too nice strong for people put on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what She's too strong
3: for the individual man. Silver lining. I'm just saying it couldn't be done by man. So <laughs> other <shit> happens. Beep. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is totally, <laughs> this is
0: totally unrelated, but my brain immediately went to Lord of the Rings.
3: Yes. See? Okay. Oh, we like yeah, that reference. Go ahead. Go ahead with that reference.
0: <laughs> because um one of the leaders of the black writers couldn't be killed except uh couldn't be killed by a man and was killed by a woman
3: yeah yeah <laughs> yep that's the way i am mm-hmm. <laughs> no man i am no man okay <laughs> oh that was so good it was good <laughs> it was spot on don't get us off track about stuff like that we we, yeah, we love pop culture we love those the references and classics, Lord <laughs> of the Rings, come on. So going on. <laughs> so it's Elizabeth Wanamaker Paratrovich.
0: I literally looked up more of the Native pronunciations of their names than I did on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll
3: just say Paratrovich.
0: Which is not fair. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> I prefer to call people by their Indigenous or Native names. Understandable. Virtually. Understandable. She is part of the Plinket tribe, and someone can at me if I'm pronouncing that wrong because it's spelled completely differently. Um, (laughs) But they're in Alaska. She was adopted at a young age, and one of the reasons why I really wanted to use her name, her original Plinket name, is because she only got the name Elizabeth Wanamaker after she was adopted, Mm -hmm. which kind of breaks my heart part of that whole erasure thing. Mm-hmm. And she gained that wonderful, is it Polish? I have no idea, last name from her husband, Roy. but so they were both Native and they became the Grand President of the Alaska Native Brotherhood and Sisterhood. And they eventually moved to Juneau and were confronted by the No Natives allowed signs all over the place. Uh, there are some signs that say no dogs and no natives, like, excuse me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So frustrating. Mm-hmm. But Elizabeth and was determined to bring change, so she drafted and presented the Anti-Discrimination Act. And it was first shot down in 1943, I believe, and she read, she put it before um, the Senate in 1945 and just to kind of paint a picture of what she was like i kind of have to say a quote from someone who's not very nice so to to give you a picture of the kind of discrimination that natives faced in alaska senator or then senator alan Shaffitt, felt comfortable enough to say and a quote far from being brought close together which will result in this act, the races should be kept further apart, he said. Who are these people barely out of savagery who want to associate with us whites with 5,000 years of recorded civilization behind us?
3: Oh, my God. (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) Gross. Her response to that was, was kind of amazing to Senator Allen. She said, I would not have expected that I, who am barely out of savagery, would have to remind gentlemen with five thousand years of recorded civilization behind them of our Bill of Rights.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That gave me
0: chills. Yes.
3: Go ahead. Yeah. All. She
0: she testified uh, last in defense of the act, and whatever she said, she was able to move the entire assembly. Some people said that there was cheers everywhere and sending ovation. And her work resulted in Alaska being the very first state to pass anti discrimination legislation. So it did pass in 1945. Wow.
2: That's amazing.
3: That is amazing. Yeah. We
2: have some more women we want to talk about, listeners, but first we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
3: To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
2: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Let's get into the interview.
0: To put that into perspective, we didn't really have... I'm originally from the South, um, Arkansas specifically. Mm-hmm. We had segregation until the 70s.
1: Right. This... So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. This act was very ahead of its time.
3: Right. Oh, yeah. It looked like and Annie had put in here that it would have been nearly 20 years before the Federal Civil Rights Act would be passed, as well as 14 years before Alaska would become a state, which is phenomenal timing that she was able to push that hard and get that accomplished. Yeah.
0: She obviously had some kind of gift of word of speech because she was able to move people, who were so set in their ways of thinking of progress or ways of looking at Native people that they would pass this after it had been failed. So I don't know what kind of magical words she used, but.
3: We need her magic awesome. right now. <laughs>
0: yes.
3: <laughs> yes. For a few reasons. For a few reasons. <laughs> mm hmm. Uh yeah
2: and I I read that um the United States Mint in 2020 will have a $1 coin uh featuring her. So
3: Oh, I didn't hear that. That's exciting. It that you know? is very exciting. It looks like her son um sculpted a a bronze bust in honor of her. That's in the uh state lobby of Alaska as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she is a significant portion to the history of Alaska, which is beautiful. Yeah,
0: did you see the um we can do it. What was that next? That wartime.
2: Oh, the Rosie the woman, Riveter. Annie oh. the Riveter. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> She's, they have one for her too, and I like that one a lot.
3: That's oh, amazing. yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. Ostish? Am, Am I saying that right?
0: I could not find a pronunciation for her name, unfortunately. So, Ostish. Somebody can correct us. I'm sure somebody will. I'm sure they will. They will. They will. You're correct. Hello. We'll hear from you soon. <laughs> Hit me up on Twitter. I'm sorry. Yeah.
3: Go ahead. So, Ash, Tish, for all in point. Like, for the point of going forward. Mm-hmm. Who is? Who are they?
0: Well, uh, as we were talking about colonization and atrocities. Yeah. This is a kind of hard story, but Ashtish was one of the last Bate, or Two-Spirit leaders. And I think when I was talking to you, I mentioned transgender, but Two-Spirit isn't directly correlated to transgender. It's the closest English term that we have for it, but that's not exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. In almost all Native cultures had Two-Spirit people but you weren't just a different gender than the one you were assigned at birth. I say that because that's the term most accepted right now, but oftentimes gender wasn't really assigned in Native communities, but you were something more if you were two-spirit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: it's uh, It was really a third gender. It was beyond the gender binary, mm-hmm. and they were also given positions of leadership and were highly respected members of their communities. Ash was the head of the Bate, the two spirit leaders mm-hmm. in her time. So we mentioned the Battle of the Side mm-hmm. with Buffalo Cap Road Woman. Mm-hmm. Yes. She actually fought on the other side. Ah. Mm. Yeah, so that battle was between the Cheyenne and Lakota Sioux on one side with Crazy Horse and Buffalo Calf Road Woman. Mm-hmm. And on the other side was the Crow and Shoshone mm-hmm. people. So it was a little a little weird to kind of read the different perspectives in telling their stories because on the one hand, you have all this bravery from Buffalo Calf Woman and celebrating her for being able to turn the battle around. And then when you're talking about Oshkote, they talk about her prowess and bravery even though they lost (laughs) so (laughs) it's very interesting and as usual uh, it's land, and there was a graphic i saw the other day about how just from 1776 you can see the number of native americans and where they were allowed to be just dwindle across the state mm-hmm. and it forced not only native people to fight against the colonizers but also against each other because their lands are being taken away right but again they austish and the crow and Shoshone lost and eventually they the crow were confined to a reservation Unfortunately, at the time, there were a lot of missionaries and government agents that kind of ran the reservations. That's not so much the case anymore. Now, sovereign nations have their own governments, which is another story. Right. <laughs> but right. At the time, but like, people did not accept Two-Spirit people. It was outside their sensibilities. The nicest way I can say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, just like in the boarding schools and the residential schools, hair was cut off. Two-Spirit people were forced to wear men's clothes and do quote-unquote men's work. And in the face of that, Ashtish wore ornate dresses with pride. And when asked what kind of work she did, she always said she did women's work. She was one of the last Two-Spirit people across all Native cultures to be alive. It was effectively wiped out for the most part between boarding schools and residential schools and just people dying off. And unfortunately a lot of Two-Spirit people walked on before their time. Mm. I think catch my It mm-hmm. <laughs> It's really hard to talk about these kinds of situations because it's easy to get really emotional and and go off, but that's what, you know, it's not going to bring anyone back to life, and it's, it's just really tough to read about these situations. Right. You just have all this anger that has nowhere to go. Right. I
3: mean, obviously, you have somewhere to go.
0: Here. <laughs> because it's true.
3: <laughs> it is infuriating to see that as a culture, what that was accepted then was taken away from them because of a bigotry idea of what is normal. Right. which, of course, again, we're having to come back to and have conversations about, and we're nowhere near progressing, especially when it comes to, um, as you say, the two-gendered and as, as transgender as we know it, or that's the best way we can um, say uh, identify with it, I guess, that it's still such a fight to understand bigger than the scope of gender and being gendered in general. Yeah. And the
0: really hard thing is that even though there are a lot of moves to revitalize cultural practices, a lot of the information is lost. The Bate passed down, the Two-Spirit leaders passed down a lot of information amongst themselves. And if they're all gone and nothing is written, what's there for us to revitalize? Mm. So we have people who are Two-Spirit and those things that are kind of becoming more acceptable again, but what's missing is the medicine, the leadership, the tradition that came along with it. So like other things that Native people are trying to revitalize, we can only kind of look at things as a guide and then do what we can with it in in the scope of our modern cultures.
3: Right. So this is one of those lessons that we have to learn and look back and, and make sure that history doesn't repeat itself.
1: In Absolutely. Erasing
3: a culture or an idea or, or peoples in general. Yeah. <laughs> Which is infuriating and heartbreaking in all the same ways and different ways, I guess. Not the same ways.
0: Yeah.
3: But I did read, so we are reading that the Crow tribe did stand behind her um, when she refused to conform to the European roles that they were trying to place on them.
0: Oh, they absolutely uh, and supported her because (laughs) she was a leader, and they had already seen what she could do. She more than earned her position. Unfortunately, later in her life, she faced some kickbacks. Right. When we talk about the the residential schools and boarding schools, Uh they were. There's really no nice way to say it. They were horrific. Yeah, People were brainwashed and tortured. And one of the things that they did effectively was take a whole generation of Native people and make them feel inadequate mm-hmm. or that their practices were outdated. And that's still something we're struggling with to this day. Right. Because there's a generational gap between knowledge. So you have that the last generation to fight, and then the generations that lived and grew up through the boarding school systems, and then our generation who's trying to revitalize the tradition. And so that a lot of people, I've heard them talk about, they try to talk to their grandmothers about certain practices and they're very resistant. We don't do that anymore. Mm. Um, Not all people who went to the residential schools and boarding schools are like that, but under that kind of psychological torture, I can't say anything about the people who kind of changed or assimilated because that's just a survival skill. Absolutely. You have to if you're going to die or be tortured, you have
3: to assimilate All right. And that's that is exactly what colonization was to bring this shame factor of there's only one culture that is correct. and it is whatever the strongest or the most most forceful culture at that point in time, which is absolutely kind of this whole whitewashing of history for so many cultures in general. And I mean whitewashing <laughs> <laughs> and it is it is a horrific thing that it brings on a shame factor for those who have a different uh, take or different understanding and different culture and different background, which is, yeah, you're right. This is unfortunate, and it's, it's, it's interesting to just take that, hear that perspective from you about how your generation is coming in trying to relearn, but you are battling with the still shame factor from the past generations that they were taught or they were tortured or they're forced on to them, which is, yeah, I've never actually thought about that in the bigger picture.
0: It's it's very, it's something that you don't see normally, especially if you're not connected to a Native community. Right. So some of my friends are Inupiat in Alaska, and they have the traditional chin tattoo. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are some women in the community who are older who see it as a bad thing because that's something they left behind. They've evolved past that now. But more and more women are getting those traditional tattoos and i think it's absolutely beautiful that they're able to because it really came from i think one book or one recorded book about tattooing and how they did it and what the different clans and people had different patterns and i guess they're just kind of building it up from there
3: Right. And what you're doing with bringing it forward and talking about the history is also very, very important so we can see and recognize the tragedy that ha- happens when you oppress a culture and a society and, and the history that is lost on that as well. So good job, Natalie. <laughs> I,
0: think, I mean, honestly, I am absolutely not an expert in any of these cultures and mm-hmm. any of these specific types uh, they're not mine. Right. And you went on this list, first of all. Right. And second of all, I am uh, mixed, even if I am significantly indigenous. But I had to, I'm having to reconnect later in life anyway. And it's only because I have talked to people who grew up within their cultures and made actual steps to educate myself that I can even speak on it.
3: Right. Right. But I think what's, and yes, there are definitely a lot of experts out there, but coming out and having conversations and, and making sure people still know or at least understand the bigger history is phenomenal in itself. And also, yes, you definitely have a drive, which is beautiful, to make if, sure. Honestly,
0: if anyone, this knowledge, this information is available to everyone. Right.
3: Which should be. We should have more stuff on this. Moving on to the next person, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to say this name. Talk me, Tony
0: Tony. 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 Thank you. I'm pretty sure it's Tony again. I might be wrong, but she is Paiute. Paiute. But she was an advocate for her people and also an author. She was one of the first. Well, I think she was the first published Native American woman. Um, she published a book called "Life Among the Paiute: Their Wrongs and Claims." In life or 1883. Wow. She witnessed a lot of atrocities and violence against her people and always spoke out against her treatment. And when I say she spoke out, she gave over 300 speeches on the, the maltreatment of Native peoples. Wow. She lived through the Bannock War of 1878 and rescued a group of Paiute people, including her father, and continued to speak out even after she and a group of Paiute were forcibly located to the Yakima Reservation. Until her death, Tocantona fought for land rights and human rights of Native people. It might not be a surprise to her people as she came from a line of leaders as the daughter of a chief and the granddaughter of Chief Truckee. Unfortunately, there's not too too much information I could find on her beyond that. But we still have her writings; her book is still available. So that's less. And for sure, I know that the people talk about her a lot in there in Nevada.
2: Three hundred speeches,
3: right? It's impressive. That's impressive. Speaking out in the 1800s too. You're like, what? As an indigenous female. What? That takes a lot of courage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she
3: was fighting.
0: For women to speak out in our communities, it is not an abnormal thing. Right. But when you're facing a culture that is kind of the opposite, especially in the 1800s, I'm sure that was very odd to look at, having all this freedom and respect as a Native woman and then seeing the culture that you were trying to be forced into.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I could only imagine.
0: I want to read her book. Yeah. Really
3: badly. I need to find that book. Next on the book club. There we go. <laughs> Add it to the, the list. on our list that we haven't started. I have a list. You have, I know you have. I know you have. <laughs> um, and then we wanted to talk about Madonna Thunderhawk. There's know. one before that. Oh, sorry. Which one? It's okay. <laughs> I'm really excited.
0: Is it Talasa or Redbird? Was a young young, ton, young ton Dakota Sioux. Okay. And she's another writer, but she's also a musician and activist. Her books were among the first to spread traditional Native stories, and she wrote. She even wrote part of the first Native American opera called the Sundance Opera in 1913. While her writings of her experiences with boarding schools, life, and stories are probably enough to make her a historical figure, Vizala Shaw founded the National Council for American Indians in 1926, and this enabled her to lobby for Native rights to United States citizenship and civil rights. She served as president until her death in 1938. Wow So we have another strong woman in leadership, not just in the tribe but outside of it as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: so there's another another uh, I don't know if the opera is put into a book, but I'm sure she wrote other books that you can add to your voice. I think she, she was
2: pretty prolific. Um as she wrote in, uh, according from what I found, the Atlantic Monthly and Harper's Monthly. Um, So, yeah, that's, I think some of her works are out there. People should definitely go check them out.
0: Yeah, so Kalasha was also just a beautiful orange. She is another image of Indigenous Native strength and perseverance. I don't know. I want posters. Of, like, you know, as a kid, you have all those posters of bands and stuff on your wall. Right. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to put all these women on my wall. <laughs>
3: That'd be awesome. You can put it on your phone now as a motivation. Oh, there you go. Yeah, not on the Not on the walls anymore. It's on your phone. As you open it up. My room is still covered in posters. I don't know what you're saying. Your house is covered in posters. You're <laughs> right. Never mind. Never mind.
2: <laughs> I haven't. I haven't graduated I need from that stage. <laughs> I do
0: too.
2: I do too. Uh, <laughs> you can put it on the ceiling too. So you wake
0: up and the first oh, thing you see uh, yep. is all these amazing women. <laughs>
2: yeah, that'd be better than what I have. But uh, do I do something on your ceiling. I do have
0: something on my ceiling. <laughs>
2: I got. I mean, eventually you just run out of space and you have to put stuff on the ceiling. I've that's never. Just... I've never been there, but okay. <laughs> oh, that's my entire life. Um, but I like this idea much better, Natalie. This, this is, is more, more than like Harry Potter and Star Wars. Um,
0: <laughs>
2: perhaps more motivating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's normal, realistic. I'm giving you ideas. <laughs> you, yeah, you
3: are. You are. I'm ju- actually, this is probably better than what she's got, so keep giving her the ideas.
2: <laughs> <laughs> It'd be more work appropriate. At least I could be like, well, these
3: are the I'm people... trying to better
2: myself by looking at these motivational, yeah. women.
3: inspirational women. Yeah. Warriors. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. <laughs> next before we get more ideas. Uh, now we're down to, yes, Madonna Thunderhawk? Yeah. All right. Tell us about her.
0: She's the last person on the list. And of everyone on the list, she's actually still alive. Yay. Well, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: <laughs> ignore that part. I mean, being 1940s, alive is good. I mean, being alive is, congratulations. Not that being dead is bad. Thing. You know, whatever.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> to Ooh. be fair, she lived through a lot of crazy things. Mm-hmm. So she is Cheyenne River Sue. And from South Dakota, I think she's still in South Dakota. So she is not only alive, still alive, but organized the protest against the Dakota Pipeline in 2016. And she was like 75. Wow. And she organized that. Yeah. She's 78 and she doesn't look it by the pictures I've seen And I have no doubt she's 1,000% a woman to be reckoned with. (laughs) (laughs) When I read through everything she's seen and taken part in, I just cannot imagine what it's like to have lived through all these things and still have all the fire that she still does. She was part of the Red Power movement, which I didn't even know was a thing. It makes Mm -hmm. sense. It was the 60s and 70s, so you had Black Power. I guess Red Power (laughs) goes right along with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her first foray, as far as I could... Yeah, as far as I found, was protesting during the 1969 to 1971 occupation of Alcatraz. I had never heard of it, but... Apparently, there was a treaty between the government and the Lakota people that uh, called the Treaty of Fort Laramie. Mm-hmm. That said, all retired, abandoned, or out-of-use federal land was to be returned to the Lakota who once occupied it. And so they they moved there from 1969 to 71. And probably not surprised that the protest wasn't successful. The United States is uh, not really known for giving land
2: back
0: Mm -hmm. it blows my mind that she also went through this as well wounded me is i don't know if i want to call it soul crushing it's one of those moments that hurts a lot and if you've read bury my heart it wounded me you might know why it's so bad but i highly recommend everyone read it i think it should be required reading in high school personally But um, I don't know if our government in this current climate is ready for me to put that in school. (laughs) uh, But even after that, like I said, this woman has so much stamina and so much perseverance. I don't even, I I just can't. She served as the director of the Wounded Knee Legal Defense uh, Office Committee. In december of nineteen seventy five she also founded the Warrior Woman Project and was part of so many more organizations and movements to fight for Native American people and rights and she's still doing this work
2: That's awesome i mean another another person to look to 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 respect and to be inspired by
0: oh i would cry if I got to meet her.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate goal to meet her. Yeah, And obviously she's still, because the pipeline issue hasn't been resolved other than no one's acknowledging
0: it. Uh, To my knowledge, I think the Dakota Pipeline is active. Right. But we all know that there have been like oil spills and all sorts of problems. Right the pipelines going through Native land are illegal, and They violate several treaties, but just like and other things, Native voices have not had the impact that they should have had, mm-hmm. not by their own fault, but by our government and the news media and how things are covered. There's a lot of othering and not right. a lot of compassion towards Native people.
3: Right, as a... Um, um... It's looking like I know some of the Democrats who are running for president uh, have used it as a platform, not, a, not their platform, as a promise to shut it down or to reverse some of it. So it's still a big issue, but not big enough that they're talking about it on debates right now, which is sad. And obviously really, really, um, I don't know what else other than, yeah, it's just about right. It's not as important to some people. Um, as yeah. it should be, as it should be about the lives that are affecting, but it's absolutely something that's still having to be fought for. and obviously, we know, as you had just said, she's been fighting for um and, and I'm sure has continued to be a big voice in pushing that as a as a conversation that we need to have more
0: of, yeah, and she has seen some real, real bloodshed. Uh, Part of my The November Project is talking about violent language that's still used in the media that inspires violence in real life. Mm -hmm. And for her to see some of the most horrific moments in American history or modern, whatever this period of American history is and still be fighting really is indicative of so much strength uh, I don't know that's something really common when you hear these stories especially Native women You they see these awful things they see this genocide and then in the face of genocide women are standing up and speaking out and that's why it's so important to one read about Native American history take part in as much as you can to talk about some of the things and actually listen when Native Americans talk about issues that are facing them. It's just a lot.
2: Right. (laughs) We do have a little bit more for you listeners, but first we have one more quick break for word from our sponsor.
1: Snag a job is where America goes to hire
3: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So you had mentioned um, earlier that there's obviously, and we can all definitely research, but what would you point at someone that wants to learn more of the histories and the behind the scenes? Where would you point them? Is there certain like reference books or... Is that too old, ladies? I reference books. I know. Who uses no, books anymore? No, they, people books. do. Resources. Uh, resources. Thank you. Books. I books, <laughs> no, okay? books I'm that old. I'm that don't old. Don't come out against books. <laughs> I, hey, I used the encyclopedia for most of middle school, okay? so yes. I mean, And when I say encyclopedia, I mean hardbound, uh, right. Britannica, encyclopedias. Dewey Decimal <laughs> System. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't date me. But resources that you would point them to. Oh...
0: <laughs> uh. So, I would recommend if you really want to know what Native history is like and why all of us are so passionate about it, I think diving in headfirst is the best way to do it because we are living this reality. And if it's shocking to you, imagine what it's like for us to Mm -hmm. see. All the erasure that our people have faced and see it continuing now so a good place to start to really get a handle on how much effort has been put into eliminating native people bury my heart it wounded me is a book that's probably the best the best place to start mm. there are there's a narrative that i've heard of Native Americans fought against each other, so it's not a big deal that the United States also, the colonial people also fought them, but it is completely different. (laughs) We're talking about systemic genocide Mm -hmm. as opposed to what kind of amounts to land scuffle, (laughs)
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... I will warn you that there are some things in wounded, near My Heart at Wounded Me that are graphic, but it's absolutely necessary to hear those things. Mm-hmm.
3: And usually, again, history like this, atrocities like this, and again, as you said, genocide is going to be graphic. So to expect less would be you're looking at a really unrealistic version of history.
0: <laughs> right. It would be like learning about the Holocaust without learning about
3: anything that happened to concentration camp. Right. Which is absurd in itself. Well, thank you so much, Natalie. I'm so glad that we got to connect and that you were able to speak with us. Is there anything else you want to add or you want to uh, voice about what we're talking
0: about? I will say one thing. Go ahead. I, this, uh, I kind of challenge my listeners to do this if you are not connected to a Native community or any friends who are Native, I encourage you to, on Instagram or Twitter, follow five Indigenous people. And just as you're looking through your feed and as you're learning and hearing from these people, I guarantee you it won't take very long for you to realize that there are some things going on you might not be aware of. And I think that's kind of applies to all ethnic groups. It's a good idea to know what's happening and be aware and get out of our little bubbles. So it's very important, I think, to make sure you are paying attention to Native voices, especially being on the land of people who are still here, if that makes sense.
3: No, that's amazing. I love that. That's a great challenge. And I think absolutely I would voice that and agree with you that is to start yeah. <laughs> to yeah. to start with. Do <laughs> mm-hmm. that. Um and Allie, where can we find you on the interwebs?
0: You can find me on all social media platforms at some kind of brown. My podcast. Some kind of brown is on basically all the podcasters. I have a teenager website for a teenager because it still has the dot wordpress dot com. But <laughs> 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 so some kind of brown and it has all the episodes that I have I've had so far, and you can find out more about Red November or any of the guests or episodes that
3: I've had on there too. Amazing. Thank you again. Um, you are awesome. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to keep in connection. Yes, we want you to know we support everything you're doing, and we want to make sure that um, you know that we over here at Sminty love what you're doing. And are very grateful that you're doing it.
0: Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. I do you. want to say, my girlfriend is a big fan Aww. of your podcast. Oh, Yay. Tell her hello. <laughs> Tell her hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, she is a transgender woman. And something that I think I really appreciate about your podcast is it's just about being a woman without necessarily putting a a limit on what that means. And I think that's really comforting for people who are transgender women to just have this place where they can talk about femininity and being a woman and at the same time be included in the narrative.
2: That brings us to the end of this, another delightful interview with... um... All of you listeners, I'm always so impressed and inspired and awe right. the things that you all are doing. So keep, keep letting us know right. what you're up to. We love hearing about it. Um, and as Natalie said, probably everybody on this list, we could have talked about a, a whole episode.
3: Right. It's not as she had said before, even though I was like, oh, yeah, it's a big list. It, is, it really isn't. And it's probably an endless list of people that we could talk about who identify it as female or non-binary that needs to be recognized that we need to be talking about and that their history does need to be preserved and the things that they have done uh, for their community as well as for their culture. And I think I'm very sad that we couldn't get, we don't have all the information that we absolutely should. And uh, that, that, this is the first time I've heard of probably about four of those women. Right, the first time I've ever talked about that. Yeah, and that makes me really sad.
2: Yeah, um, and uh, Natalie says she had an entire spreadsheet of women and she had to choose. Like, <laughs> I appreciate the difficulty of that, Natalie. As you, as you, if you're listening to this now, um, I've been in that situation, not similar, but been right. like, pick of all of these amazing women, pick the three best, and you're like, ah. Here's just
3: movies. <laughs> Other things. Right now, all I can think of is movies because we've been talking about movies. Yes, yes. Um,
2: <laughs> but I also have a, more important items in my I brain sometimes. You. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would love to hear about every single woman on that spreadsheet. Yes. So we'll see if we like can. Sh- we should have just gotten that so we can publish it. Oh, well, you
3: we can ask that, no.
2: Maybe she doesn't want to share her
3: secrets. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm putting that on my show. If not, you should definitely go listen to her show.
2: You should absolutely do that because, um, as you said, we all need to. Know these stories and they're so valuable um, and inspiring. They are. Yes. Um, so if you would like to email us with whatever you're up to or people we should be talking about, whatever's on your mind, you can do that. Our email is stuffmedia momstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast podcast or on Instagram at stuff I'm never told you. Thanks to Natalie for being our wonderful interviewee. Thank you. Thank you to Andrew, our super producer. Another thank you. And thank you for listening. Yes. Stuff Mom Never Told You is production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.